And if that doesn't scare the bejesus out of you, I don't know what will. As only John can do. It's interesting, you know, there really is no description of Jesus in the Bible. Isaiah talks about uh, he was not much to look at and he was uh, deformed in so many ways, but, but there's no description of, of what, he, what he looked like. Uh, and, and, of course, if we watch the Hollywood version, we know that he didn't have blue eyes and, and shaven armpits. <laughs> he was a Semite, and he looked like a Semite. We guess, we don't know, but we do know what many of the Old Testament figures looked like. And, and uh, well, well, Daniel. Daniel was the, one of the first vegans, and, and he, was, he just glowed. He had a glow about him. He had an aura about him because he was so healthy and, and good-looking. Uh, and, 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 of course, David, the, the, the farm boy, the, the, the shepherd who came ruddy and handsome and good-looking and just all kinds of wonderful descriptions. And then, and then today, John. It's a very interesting description that Matthew writes about John. John, we know, was the first to recognize the Messiah from his mother's womb. He leaps for joy. John probably should have been clothed in the clothing of his father, Zechariah, who was pretty high in the hierarchy of the religious tradition at that time. But he was driven out to the desert. We believe he probably lived with the seams and, 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 and did that monastic tradition of, of penance and fasting and prayer in preparation. John's description is quite vivid in the, in the scriptures today. He's wearing this camel hair and a leather belt and chewing on grasshoppers and wild honeys. A wild man. He is a wild man where? In the desert. In the desert of all the places. And yet the desert has very important meanings in in, in throughout the scriptures. It was in the, the deserts that the Israelites wandered for 40 years, not knowing where they were going because they could not hear or follow the voice of God. It was in the desert that Jesus goes for 40 days to fast and to pray, to discern what his true mission is. What does it mean to be the Son of God? And of course, it's in the desert today that, that uh, John is preaching. And somebody once asked uh, Lawrence of Arabia, why the desert? Why do you love the desert? And he says, it's clean. It's clean. There, there's nothing there to distract you. There's no iPhones or iPads or Internet. There's no social media. There's nothing there to, to distract you from what? Standing naked before God. Standing naked before the divine where the divine can get you. So John's out there preaching, and there must have been something incredibly attractive about him. Because they're coming from all over Judea and Jerusalem to be baptized into the Jordan. And he's preaching, of course, the message. But he's preaching it John's way. And we're told that John is the, the very last of the Old Testament prophets. He's this bridge between the old and the new, but he's very much schooled in the old. And, of course, the school of Amos and Jeremiah and all of the great prophets is that if you sin, you're going to pay. They're very binary. There is something that is right and there is something that is wrong. And if you think that you are on the wrong side, you better get on the right side. So what's his message? It's the message. 
metanoia or metanoia, depending on who taught you your Greek. Metanoia, what is, well, we always translate it as repent. But it it really means much stronger to, to turn around. Now, Jesus is going to be using the exact same words as John the Baptist. But Jesus is going to have a completely different meaning. And we're, we'll discover that as we continue along this next week to, to listen to how Jesus is saying, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Because Jesus and John, I'm afraid, are going to have pretty different reasons as to what this kingdom is supposed to be like. From the time that John was in his infancy, There were rumors and stories about the Messiah, and he knew in his heart that he was to be the advanced man, the forerunner, the one that goes before him to prepare the way, and the way is prepared by calling everybody forth to prepare themselves. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. But John, like even Jesus' disciples, like so many of us, believe that the Messiah, when he comes, was going to put Israel back to its righteous place. And that means, number one, that means at the top. And so John's saying that you better prepare for this one because, because if you are not ready for him when he comes, you're going to feel his wrath. You're going to feel his, his desire for what is really good and true and put you back at the top. Uh, that's not going to be the message of Jesus. As a matter of fact, next week John's going to go, is it really you? Now today he is so cocksure. So cocksure. The, 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 the Sadducees and the Pharisees come and, and, and he's saying to them, you, you brood of vipers. I, I love how they mince words, you know. You brood of vipers. How dare you come? to be baptized. And what he is saying to them is that they look beautiful on the outside, but they are sick on the inside and they are just taking care of themselves. But they better better change. The Old Testament message is this. You got the power in your will to be obedient to God. Now you do it. Jesus' message is going to be quite different from that because the power is going to come from a whole different source than from my will, my desire. It's like the, the parent telling the four-year-old, now play nice, for about 33 seconds, until they can't anymore. And, that, that's, and that's the problem with, with the binary system. Either you're in or you're out, you're good or you're bad, you're right or you're wrong. That's John. And he's saying, now you just, just do it, you just do it. I, I, every time I read this passage, I'm, I'm, I recall... Old Father Brambrink, I don't think any of you could remember who he was, but he was a very old priest when I was a baby priest, and, 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 and he was a Prussian. He was a Prussian, and he fought in the, Prussian, in, 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 in the army, in the Kaiser's army. And one day he was preaching to a whole group of priests, and he was looking at all these, old, these young priests. They were in their 30s and their 40s, and some of them in their 50s, and he's like, look at you, priest! Look at you, priest! You know, just like John. Dying at 30, 40, 50 years old of heart attacks. I only have one thing to say to you. Stop it. <laughs> That's John. Stop it. Because if you don't, his winnowing fan is in his hand. You know, the winnowing fan was a, 
a device whereby you took the wheat that was mixed with the chaff and you, you threw it in the air and as it went up in the air, the wind would blow away the chaff and the wheat then would fall to the ground and you would take the wheat and you'd put it in your barn and the chaff is burnt in unquenchable fire. And that's what John is saying. You either straighten up and fly right or you're going to burn. Now John really is asking the people of his time, and he's asking us too for something very important. And that's repent. That's to confess the sins. Why is that so incredibly important? Because sin stops the flow. But John's repentance doesn't create the flow. That has to come from another source. And of course, we know the source is going to be nothing less and no one less than the Son of Man, than the Word of God incarnate. That's what causes the flow. John says it clearly. Look, I'm baptizing you with water. And that's for the remission of your sins or the repentance of your sins or at least staying them out loud. There's going to be one who's going to come and he's going to baptize you with something else going to baptize you with fire. What does fire do? Fire burns off the impurities. And one of the great questions we always ask ourselves is why so much suffering in the world? But I think part of the mystery, and it is a mystery, we don't fully understand it, is it burns off all of our illusions that we are in complete control of our lives. And so when we find a, a brick wall that we walk into and we cannot go beyond we have to fall into the arms of a, a compassionate God and a power that is beyond our own power for self-salvation. It's a very different thing. It's a very, very different thing. And so John is, is telling us, straighten up and fly right, and if you don't, you're going to pay the price. And then he's saying, the reason you've got to do that is because the kingdom of God is at hand. The reason we're making our preparation is because our holy work is to usher in that kingdom, is to, is to, it's, it's already here in some ways, it's the seeds of the kingdom certainly are here. Just as the, the, the seeds of, of uh, that, that beautiful image that Isaiah began with today. Remember the St. Louis Jesuits had a, an album many years ago called Wood Hath Hope. And it was a, a stump, the stump of Jesse, and out of the stump of Jesse was this little branch that was going to begin to grow and it was going to blossom and produce fruit. And it's going to be fruit that was going to be abundant fruit. That's the fruit of the kingdom of God. Now the fruit of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and then even sometimes and somehow the fruit of John is division, separating one from the other. And, 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 and John really thought that he had to separate the good from the bad. That's all dualistic thinking. Most of the thinking of the world is dualistic. You're either white or you're black. You're good or, or you're evil. You're, you're either red or you're blue. You're liberal or you're conservative. And what we do is that we, that we demonize the other. And as we demonize the other, we feel very righteous and smug in our righteousness, in who we are. That's the world that John preached about and was in, and I'm afraid that's the world we're in right now. As you've heard me say so many times before, 
This is one of the most frightening periods in the history of our civilization as we know it because of the, the separation and the great sin, the great lie, is that there are the good guys and the bad guys. Jesus came to do what? Not to save the good guys and burn the bad guys. He came to call all the guys, all the girls, all of humanity to what? To what? To reconciliation, to healing. Today, and I've never heard it proclaimed as beautiful as I've heard it proclaimed today. We heard Isaiah describe the kingdom. And what is the kingdom of God like? It's when natural enemies are brought together. When the people we are taught to hate, we discover are our sisters and our brothers. And, and, and so I cannot do it the justice that Sister did it, but I want us to listen to Isaiah's picture again. He writes this beautiful word picture. It shows us what the kingdom is, is like, and it is not paid for by, by war and spears and arrows, but it's paid for by blood, sweat, tears, suffering, crying out, and daring to believe. Uh, the baptism of Jesus is the baptism of fire and spirit. Fire purifies. Spirit gives God, gives us God's stuff. Gives us the power to reconcile, to heal. And therefore, when that happens on God's holy mountain, the wolf shall be the guest of the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf, and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. Oh, the cow and the bear shall be neighbors. Together their young shall rest. The lion shall eat hay like the ox, and the baby shall play in the cobra's den and the child lays hands on the adder's lair, and there should be no harm or ruin on my holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Then what an incredible image. Just as the water covers the sea, the power of the Spirit comes into the world to reconcile us, to put us back where we belong. Where do we belong? Where did we come from? Long before there was original sin. And this is all about taking away the sin of the world, the blockage of the world, long before original sin was original blessing. It's to bring us back into the garden. To bring us back into the kingdom. And to dare to believe it can be done. Not by our power but by the power of grace and the power of the Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us if we have the humility to unlock the block, to allow the flow to flow, and for the water of God's love to cover the earth. Can you envision it?
Can you see it? You see, because until we can see it, until we can envision it, until we can dream about it, it's not going to come about. If we are so convinced that the only way is going to be wars and rumors of wars, the kingdom will never come. No, no, we have to dare to believe what we have told. Take the time to remove the blockages. And we all have blockages. We have all fallen short of the glory of God to allow the Spirit to flow. And then we can listen to Paul. Now, Paul knows all about that flow of the Spirit. And he's saying to the Romans this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to think of harmony with one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is not rocket science. This is really good news. This is the gospel.